Go ahead, Jordan. Hello, and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared, alongside Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen. How are we doing today, Richard? I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited, uh, very excited for this episode, and I'm probably even more excited for this week of college basketball, honestly. Yeah, so so why don't we start there? What are what are some of the big games that we need to watch out for this week? Yeah, and so a lot of it starts pretty soon, uh, Tuesday, uh, which could which is probably the day that you're listening to this. Um, we start out with Creighton versus Kansas. That's number eight versus number five. Decent amount of NBA prospects in that, probably three. Um, <clears throat> you've also got uh, Iowa versus North Carolina, and I think anytime I was on with Luca Garza, I think he's just must watch TV, even though he's like a second round guy. Um, he's too talented to just miss. Uh, Ohio State Notre Dame is on tomorrow. You got um, Duke versus Illinois. It's another top 10 matchup. USC plays UC Irvine. Again, I think anytime like Evan Mobley is on TV, that's a that's a must-watch event. Um, keeps going down. You know, you got Wisconsin versus Rhode Island. Um, it's, it's a stacked week. Florida State plays Indiana. They also play Florida this week. Um, it's, it's big. There's prospects all around. Sadly, Gonzaga isn't playing because of COVID. Uh, otherwise they would also be included in this. They had a good schedule, but it's a little bit delayed for the time being. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a a good batch of games. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be trying to tune in. Um, why, why don't we start off, uh, today's episode kind of talking about some of the, um, I guess surprises, um, so far this season, uh, for me, the big one has been Kentucky. What are they, one and three at this point? Yeah, yeah, one and three. It's it's weird. Um, you know, obviously, we were just talking about it a second ago, how they don't have, like, a true point guard uh, off air, of course. But it's it's weird. B.J. Boston underperforming has been huge. Uh, it's just a cold stretch. Who knows if it's, you know, who he actually is because it doesn't look like the same player from high school, you know? I, I think he'll, he'll kind of come around once – I think it's been tough for him uh, adjusting thus far. Um, I think he was kind of used to doing whatever the heck he wanted. Um, And I think he's getting some good looks. The shots just aren't necessarily falling right now. Um, I expect that will eventually kind of, you know, regress back to, you know, normal shooting splits for him. Uh, He's still shooting like 82% from the line. So still reason to buy the shot. Um but like you talked about a lot last year, the the, the three point line being farther back, um, you know, other issues with you know spacing and and just playing better competition. Um, Kentucky's played some good teams this year. I know they played Kansas, obviously, and then Richmond. I think was another top twenty five team that they played. So um, it's uh, you know it's going to take some some time. But are, are you concerned about Kentucky long term this year? I mean, they may not be like Final Four team, but uh, like you said, I mean, they're just they haven't clicked yet. I mean, they didn't. A lot of these teams get hurt, and especially players by the lack of tune-up games. You know, a lot of these guys they start their seasons in August. I mean, you won't really hear about it, but they're going international. They're doing these preseason, basically. I mean, really premature tune-up games for months before the season even starts. And this year they had nothing. Uh, and I do think, kind of like you said, there's so many factors that just changes kind of how everybody reacts to it especially this year i'm not really holding it over these guys heads especially for four games um but long term i mean it is hopefully for kentucky fans like this is at the bottom you know yeah yeah definitely um 
I think for me, one of the concerns is the the point guard play. And right now, I'm just not necessarily convinced that there's a guy on the roster who can be the full-time lead point guard. I think Terrence Clark can kind of take that role in stretches. I think Askew's going to be a really good college player, but I think he's a multi-year guy. I don't think he's... Um, I don't think he's ready quite yet to take on that role. Um, Davion Mintz, um, nice player, but you know, not not really a true point guard to me. I, I think he's more of kind of that off ball, uh, you know, really good shooter. But I, I think the the lead guard skills aren't quite there. So, I mean, it's Kentucky; they're going to figure it out eventually. But you know, the the cold start is concerning. Um, I did think they were going to maybe bounce back against, was it Georgia Tech they just played last night? Yeah. So I thought they were going to maybe bounce back there, and they didn't. Um, I don't know. Uh, What are are some of the other surprises um, for you so far? I mean, honestly, Texas being this good is is a stunner. Um, I didn't expect them to look this good, and obviously, you know, uh, kind of as a segue, Kai Jones has – has been incredible. And I think he's a huge reason why him and Matt Coleman and Matt Coleman's a guy who I really liked his junior year. I still think he's like maybe a fringe prospect, but the shot is looking good. Like he's been a big part of it. You know, he hit the game winner to win the Maui or whatever it is, invitational and everything. Um, it, it was a really good week. And I mean, their bigs are incredible between if you want to count Greg Brown as a big, but him and Sims and Kai Jones, I don't know how you rebound against that team. <laughs> They're all stacked on rebounding. Yeah, they've been nice. Uh, I've been so. I mean, I'm a Texas fan, um, and I'm always a little skeptical because every year I go in and say, "Oh man, like I think they could be pretty decent this year," and and I'm always disappointed. But I did have a little bit of optimism this year, and I think it was just because of um, the experience, right? Like you mentioned Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones, um, you know, coming back from leukemia, which is an incredible story. Um, Courtney Ramey um, is another solid guard for them with experience. Uh, Jericho Sims, Brock Cunningham, you mentioned Kai Jones, uh, who I want to dive into a little bit more here in a minute. Um, But I I wouldn't be surprised if Texas ends up being a four or five seed in, in the tournament. Yeah, no, they, they definitely look the part. And uh, I, I do think this year is just so wide open in college basketball, especially almost the Big 12, too, outside of Kansas and Baylor, who are obviously going to fight at the top. Like three through six, I think it's pretty tight. It'll be an interesting year for sure. And I, I do think this is going to be one of the more fun years, even though, you know, the circumstances and everything. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, you brought up Baylor. Um do you want to talk about the the Baylor Illinois game real quick, and we kind of got to see Iota Sumu and and Jared Butler and a matchup of you know arguably two of the best upperclassmen, definitely probably the two best upperclassmen guards in the draft class. Yeah, so I actually uh, have not gotten to see that yet. I'm embarrassed to say that uh, that is the next game on my watch list, but based off the stats, uh, and Jared, you might want to take this from me or take this from here, but. Um, so what I'd seen on Twitter, like afterwards was that Dasunmu was kind of all over the place, uh, you know, four or 15 from two. Um, and then Jared Butler 
actually they both went six of eighteen. I, I thought Jared Butler played better, but what did you take away? Did you get? Yeah, I, I thought I thought Butler was probably the best player on the floor, um, but I th- I think it's really interesting when you compare them as prospects because I think they're very different. Um, you know, you get kind of the the more polished offensive game from Butler versus the um, you know the defensive upside of Dosumu. Um, do who do you prefer between the two? Jared Butler. I, I trust his shot so much more, and he is he might have the best handles in the class. Uh, one of the very best. I, I think he's got the ball on a string like no other. He's not going to be like Kyrie, but uh, just in terms of ball security, I mean. They don't. They don't make him like him, and he's. And still, I raved about this last year. He does not look down when he dribbles. Um, like there's, there's a lot to be said about that. I had him top thirty-five before he withdrew. Oh, so for twenty twenty. Yeah, so I would put him same area. Okay. Um, yeah, I could see that. Um, why don't we? Let's come back to Kai Jones now. We're gonna do a little bit of a, a buy or sell segment here. Um, so let's start with Kai Jones and my take here is that Kai Jones will be the second post off the board behind Evan Mobley. Do you buy or sell that take? Man, (laughs) at this rate, I mean, do you count Jeremiah Robinson Earl as a, as a post big man? Sure. I'd say no then that, that would be the only person right now I would probably see in front of him. It's, it's kind of weak up top. Uh, or I, I guess literally high up, uh, like the big men in this class, just, it's not a big man class. And I mean, most classes now aren't, but especially after last year or last draft, um, I, I think at the worst third at this rate, obviously tons of basketball to be played, but so far I don't think it's a scorching hot take. Yeah. Well, I, I think I still like Jones even more than Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I just have some questions about what you do with him defensively. Um, I don't think he's really going to be a shot blocker at the next level, and I'm also not quite sure he can really sit down and defend on the perimeter. Um, you know, against quicker wings, um, I want to I want to see more of him, um, kind of in that role. But oh my god, Kai Jones is some. He's different, man. He he's six eleven, ridiculously fluid. Um, you you see him hedging and even switching and pick and rolls and he he's got the hip flexibility to sit down and and stay with those guys like he's the tallest player on the floor and jericho sims is playing the five just because kai jones can move that well yep he moves like a forward and and he's modern like he is textbook modern big at this point can switch on the perimeter uh the shot is has at least shown flashes who knows how soon that translates but he has the ability to potentially shoot and I mean, he's incredibly athletic too. Yeah. Yeah. Very athletic. Um, I, I think has the potential to be a really solid defender. Um, and you know, the question is, will he be able to, for me, he, he's, he's finishing at a very high percent right now. Um, like 82% from the field or something ridiculous in a small sample. Um, including, I think like four of six from three. So is he going to be able to stretch the floor consistently? And then I think he might need to put on a little bit of muscle so that one, he doesn't get pushed around in the post, but two, just to assist with the finishing overall. I think he'll be a good lob threat just because of the size and the the leaping ability. But um, 
man, I'm all aboard Kai, the, the Kai Jones train. Yeah. And I mean, when I, when I saw him at a, uh, at TCU last year, like, you know how every there's, every team has someone in, the, in on their team, like in the warmups, when you, you hear them dunk, right. It was Kai Jones. Like Kai Jones is hundred percent that guy. Like he was doing windmills from like almost the free throw. And I'm like, how the, like, what, like some of those things, it's just <laughs> like, it's just, it's like, is this guy even human? Like him and Oche Baji are the two guys that have made me just drop my jaw and Jackson Hayes, Jackson Hayes back in the day. Like, it, it's un it's unreal, and obviously Texas is like center U, so uh, right. not shocking that I name dropped Jackson, but it, it's crazy. I mean, he he really checks all the boxes on the tools that you want from a modern big man. Yeah, and well, now I'm a little embarrassed because an episode or two ago we were asked, you know, who who are the top three prospects in the state, and you know, I, I ignored Kai Jones, but I, I can't ignore him hey, anymore. To be fair. <laughs> To be fair, he had only played UT Rio Grande. Right. So we didn't know, like, you know, how electric he was going to be in the Maui uh, Classic, you know? Yeah. There, there were air quotes around Maui, by the way. Because was it, like, <laughs> yeah, in right. Asheville or something? He was in Asheville, which is probably, like, the most polar opposite of Maui. It, that the the anti-Maui <laughs> Classic. The <laughs> anti <laughs> Invitational, right? Invitational. Yep. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's go to our our next one. This is one that you you um, that you you presented was Evan Mobley's defense. So do you want to? I mean, obviously you buy that. So why, why don't you explain why you buy that? Hey, hey, hey! I, I never said it. I never said that. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm torn. I am torn because his off ball defense, like he has every tool to be. Or, well, I'll ask the question. So pretty much. He, there's You probably can search Twitter, Evan Mobley, go to videos. You'll see it pop up pretty quick. He gets lost off ball real bad. Um, he just misses rotations off ball. He's great on ball. Obviously checks all the boxes on the tools. And he's he's got the tools to make up for his lack of uh, – I, I don't even know what to call it really. I don't want to say instincts, but just missing rotations. He's really good at making up for it. So like he has the ability to recover and everything. But for team defense as a big man, you got to have that can't be like it's it's crucial that you you're the guy making the rotations like kind of just going back one year okongwu never missed rotations and it's kind of funny just to see the 180 but i mean still i think mobley's averaging like two and a half blocks a game uh so i guess my question is do you buy him as like a positive defender is what i should say because he's going to be a good defender at least based on the tools alone i would say yes um i think i mean i want to i want to see him come around a little bit more but I think for the most part, you can't ignore the physical tools. Um, and I, I just think with experience, he'll he'll kind of develop in that area. Um, because, I mean, you, you think about the high school level, when, when you're his size and you can do what he does and move the way that he does, um, you don't really need to think about it, right? You, you just kind of plant yourself around the rim and let everything come to you. So, um, you know, he's, I, I, I think he'll figure it out. I, I buy him as a defender. Yeah, I'm probably in the same boat. I think it takes a while at the worst. I think you get a guy like on defense, like you get a Hassan Whiteside impact where it's a guy who he's going to make the sexy play, but he may make the wrong play a lot also. That's like his worst case defensive scenario, I think, I think which is still fair. good. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um. Do, do anything else on that or, or do you want to move on? 
No, I, I'm ready to. I'm ready for the next one. Okay, buy or sell. I am listing the Jalen's in order as Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Jalen Johnson. Do you buy that? Damn. Yeah, that's identical to how I would view it. Um, I, I, Jalen Johnson real good. I just I was a little torn on like, do I move Jalen Johnson ahead of Jalen Green? I don't think I'm there yet. No, I. I I think Jalen Green is going to blow people away when they see him. I mean, the athleticism. I mean, like when you're, you put like, how tall is he? Like six six, probably. Yeah, six five, pass, six but, six. Yeah, when you get someone like him, and you got like a guy who has a Grant Riller level first step, uh, it, it's crazy. Like he's a he's a freak athletically, uh, and it has a good shot too. I, I just that mold to me is irresistible. I also love Jared Cunningham. Uh, so who had a similar at the at the very base, like they had, you know, freak athletes. Let's not compare Jalen Green. To no, 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 Jared absolutely Cunningham. not. I'm just saying I'm a sucker for those kinds of players, though. That freak athletes with a shot like Gerald Green loved that guy. Like, so I, I, I could be wrong, but I do think that he's NBA ready. I mean, even if he doesn't ever play in the G League or whatever, I think he's there. Well, and and I think what's interesting is all three are clearly very different players, right? With Jalen Suggs, you have more of that lead guard, initiator type of player, which, by the way, thank God Jalen Suggs was able to to come back from that injury, but he, he should not have gone back in that game. Um, but, you know, thank goodness he's okay. Um, and I think Jalen Suggs is, you know, I, I think really the race is, okay, after Kate Cunningham, who's the number two guy, and to me, Suggs is in that conversation probably with Green and Evan Mobley. Is is anyone else in that? Kuminga. Just because we haven't seen him. Yeah. He's, he hasn't really fallen, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm not personally as high on him. There, I just know there's a lot of people that... I wouldn't put him in the... I mean, high. yeah, I wouldn't put him there yet. Um, let's see what he does in the G League. But is there anyone else you would you would add? Yeah, no, I mean, the only other person that would even come to mind is, and, and this guy's kind of polarizing, is uh, Josh Christopher at Arizona State, maybe. But I, I, I wouldn't do it. I, I think it's that's a, that's the tier, you know. Okay, so so where where is, like, a Jalen Johnson for you at this point? He's top 10. Um, you just think he's man, a step I, down? It's it's hard. It's so hard to tell because Duke plays nobody. They have one game, right? And they just I think they I don't remember if they just played it or they already or no, it had to be. It was against Michigan State in the Champions Class. Yeah. Um that's their one out of conference game. And I don't even remember how he did, honestly. But it wasn't great. I just, I just it's hard. Like Coppin State, Bellamare, whatever it is, like that's not the competition that I'm gonna be judging off. It's those are preseason games, you know? And with all due respect to anybody on Coppin State or you know, anywhere else that Duke is playing that's listening to this, but I just, it's, it's going to be hard till the ACC starts up to take him to take his tape seriously. Yeah. And I also wonder about Duke as a team right now, and they got to find a way to get him the ball and, and let him create. Um, I'd like to see them use him in the kind of just get him in the high post the way that Villanova does for Jeremiah Robinson Earl and then just just let him go because he he's the best playmaker on that Duke team and it's not close. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. And 
the Duke team, I mean, dude, I, I'd still, they're another team. Them in Kentucky, I feel like just so lost watching them. But I'm like, how do you even take anything away right now? You know? And I do think as conference play comes in, you're going to see more of these guys. We're going to have way clearer visions on these guys. But for now, it is kind of weird. Um, I mean, Matthew Hurt, I doubt is the leading scorer for Duke all year. You think it probably is Johnson? It's going to be Johnson or Stewart. I don't, I yeah. don't really see it as a way it's anybody else. Okay, so so let's um, let's move on to the next one. I'm going to say that Corey Kispert is a top 25 guy in this class. Buy or sell? Man, it's he's been good. He has been really good, and I. I had a bias. I have a bias, I guess, where I wasn't big on him last year, and, and I'm probably still holding on to that too much. But man, the hot start he's had is just unreal. I mean, he's almost looking more athletic. I mean, the shot, obviously, I, I think his three point percentage is completely sustainable. It's one percent higher right now than it was last year on more attempts per game. Um, obviously, you know, shooting seventy eight percent from two, that isn't going to happen. But what's crazy is for him, like the regression is not going to affect it. It's not going to be affected by a three point percentage. Um, and I mean, for a league that is great for shooting right now, I, I think first round is pretty realistic for him. He, he's probably gonna be the first senior taken. I think, uh, I, I don't think that's a stretch, right? Like off the top of my head. I don't think yeah, no one else for him, but yeah, I don't, no one else really comes to mind. But yeah, I mean, yeah. for me, Kisper, 22 points a game, right? I mean, it's three games, but 22 points a game. He's shooting like 45% from three. He's an excellent shooter. Um, he, he shot like, like you said, like 44% last year. Uh, he'll, he'll probably finish in the mid to high 80s from the free throw line. Um, he's been incredibly efficient so far. And just a perfect fit for Gonzaga right now between him, Suggs, and Drew Timmy. I mean, that big three is is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, and and it's not like they haven't played competition. They played Kansas, Auburn, and West Virginia. Those are three right. very legit teams. And what's even crazier is the game that you can play with Gonzaga isn't who's going to be an NBA prospect. It's who's not an NBA prospect on this team. And you have to go pretty far to find someone. Like anybody who plays right now on that team is an NBA prospect. And that's not – this is easily the first time I've ever said that about a college basketball team. It is – a stacked team. Yeah, I, I think go, coming back to just Kispert, and I, I agree with you about Gonzaga. They're freaking loaded. Um, but coming back to Kispert specifically, I I think the only concern regarding him being a first-round prospect is the age, 22. Um, you know, if, if Desmond Bain is the last pick of the first round, um, who's, you know, probably a better shooter, probably a better playmaker. Um, you know, Kispert's just got the size on him. Um, so I could see him going around the same range. But, you know, where he gets drafted, to me, is irrelevant, right? It's what's the skill level. And to me, if you if you can shoot like that and, and you have that kind of basketball IQ – you're you're a top 25 player maybe higher yeah and and i think you you'll see when desmond bain is inevitably a good rookie um i think you're gonna see teams every year it's gonna start happening where seniors go higher and i mean look brandon clark a year and a half ago should never have gone in the 20s 
And like, I don't know. I, I just think teams will learn. And and who knows? Maybe he goes to Memphis just like both of those two. But <laughs> I just, I, I feel like at this point, if Desmond Bain performs and Brandon Clark is good again, how are teams actually going to convince themselves that, oh, well, this guy has like t- eight months on someone. And if like, you're really judging off of eight months, like, let's be real, not a lot of difference happen. You know, there's not really much physical growth of it in, in the difference, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> any any other anything else you wanted to buy or sell today? Um, I think that's it. oh one other. There's one other. This one's kind of a, a more obscure one and not as uh not as high of a guy. But um, Scotty Lewis of Florida. Do you buy his shot? It's looking a little bit better. I still don't fully buy it personally, but I'm curious what you take. I, I haven't Florida. I haven't seen enough, so uh, I'm Fair. I'm not going to comment yet. Um. Fair. Is that what is keeping him out of the first round at this point? It would be for me. I mean, freak athlete, incredible defender. Um, and as he continues to add weight, he'll be even better. I, I do think he's got the potential to be the best defender in whatever class he goes in. Um, the jump shot last year was like just rainbow is an understatement. Now it's just like a rainbow. Um, so, I mean, it's better. It's not perfect, but it's improving. So Okay. Sounds and he's shooting thirty three percent through like a few games. Okay, so from three. Okay, so I, I guess we'll see on Scotty Lewis. Um, you know, obviously a lot more season to be played. A, a huge week coming up, as as you referenced earlier. Uh, why don't we get to some mailbag questions? Um, it got a little bit off the rails, but uh, so if we <laughs> if we miss your question, I apologize. But we'll we'll do our best here. Um, Here's a really good one from uh, Don underscore Denim. Uh, what's the least important measurable or combine event? Man, I I think it's hand size. Um, I, I yeah, I, I just think it's hand size. I just don't know how much. I mean, I put it in my scouting reports. I know I'm like different on that, but I just I'm not not taking someone because they have small hands. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. Um, man. May- Can I take your answer? No. I think maybe wingspan to a degree. Ooh, and, and not that it's not that it's not important because it, it is. Um, you know, you can make up a lot of um you can make up a lot of ground and erase mistakes with a good wingspan. But if you're constantly in the right place, you know, slightly longer arms, like at that level, when you're contesting a jumper, like if the hands, it doesn't matter if there's a hand in their face, like it doesn't bother them as much, you know? Um, So I don't know. I, yeah, I guess it's a bit of a hot take, but no, I, I think I, if, I like, like if you, it's a bonus if you have it. But to me, like, I, give me the guy who's always in the right spot over the guy who is constantly trailing and having to try to correct his mistakes and is yep. able to with a strong wingspan, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You could just point to Hassan, two guys we've uh, name dropped. Hassan Whiteside and Brandon Clark. Who would you rather have, you know? Yeah. 
And that that was one of my biggest misses too. I, I held that way too much over Brandon Clark's head. I thought he couldn't be a good rim protector with the wingspan. Um, horribly mistaken. Horribly mistaken. All right. So I, I actually like that. Okay. Um, Jordan Ennis says, how many players would go over Anthony Edwards in this draft? That's a great question. I like it. Uh, you go first. I, I want to hear how many you think. Well, I mean, so remember, he, he wasn't the number one guy on my board. He, he was on yours. True. So True. I think. This answer is going to be heavier for you. I think Cade, um, Suggs, Green, Mobley. Um, hold on. Let me, let me figure this out. Boston. Um, I think, and maybe Kuminga just right now, but I think there's a couple others who could get there. I think Keon Johnson could get there. I think Scotty Barnes could get there. Um, but again, I, I wasn't as high on. Um, on Anthony Edwards as as most people. Yeah, or or as me even. Uh, I had him number one. I would probably take four guys uh, over him, and I think you said every one of them. Uh, so that's green, the two Jalen's, Jalen Green, Jalen John, uh, not Johnson. I'm sorry, that's the one I would not take. Is uh, Jalen Suggs, and then Cade Cunningham, and then probably Kuminga, uh, just because his skill set is just. It's one of those things where it's like it's unique, so eye popping. Yeah. yeah, it's so eye popping that until you see him fail or something, like you just got to keep him up there. So I would say three and a half, four. I'm still iffy on Kuminga, but uh, I wouldn't take him lower than five probably after those guys. And it's also hard because it's so early. Uh, that would be a great question though to revisit um, both after the season, college season is over, and right before the NBA draft. Yeah, yeah, definitely would be. Um... All right, Houstonian Sports. Uh, does Denver go all in and trade Porter plus salary for a third star, Harden or Beal or Oladipo or DeRozan? Uh, I I don't know if this is the – I feel like if they did it now, they're just getting a star to get one, not actually getting someone great for them. Uh, and I do think Porter's value is still uh, – what, he's got two more years, I think. Yeah, two more years of being on the rookie contract. He's still valuable. Um I personally don't think they should keep him long-term. I think he's a perfect example of who you sell high on, um, on a young player. And I, I think not yet. I would say don't trade yet, but eventually keep Porter. Do not put him off limits or put him off limits, you know, with a wink, but like just to raise the value. That would be the only way. Yeah, and I think the the range of names that, that Houstonian gave us, I mean, Harden, Beal are, you know, that's one – group and then DeRozan is another you know so yeah if you can get a hardener Beal like for sure but I'm I'm not flipping Porter for Oladipo or DeRozan at this point um but that's just me um all right Zach Seeker um speaking of Harden uh, I think we got a, a couple James Harden questions um but Zach says what would you do with Harden if you were the Rockets right now Dump a mace app to get his nonsense out of the locker room or hold on to him in hopes of squeezing out the best possible return. And he suggests, which I assume is prying Simmons away from Philly. So 
if if the so if the Simmons thing could actually happen, yes, Houston should be doing that. Uh, first of all, can't get him out of the locker room if he hasn't been there all year. Am I right? Uh, second, <laughs> <laughs> second. Sorry, I just want to get that jab in there. Uh, second, I mean, it depends. Like the real, the, my real answer is it depends. Like, are they trying to tank? Or are they actually trying to like hold on to something and like for whatever reason try and pretend Wall will stay healthy and be John Wall from before? What are they trying to do? You know, if they're trying to be bad, yes, sell him, even if it's for pennies on the dollar, uh, get some picks. I mean, Philadelphia still has a good amount of picks incoming. Um, there's, I, I, that is probably the best package, but it takes two to tango. Who knows if they actually want him? Um, I, I think that would be the best move. I don't know how you move hard in this right now, though, uh, but I think he could be a trade deadline guy if the Rockets are just not good, but he's getting his numbers. Uh, I mean, would that? do you think that would lower his value? Now that I say that out loud, that might actually be worse. Not necessarily. Um, if he's getting his and the rest of the team just isn't, you know, like they got rid of like Covington, for example, like. Yeah, they got rid of all the talent. Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, he, if he can't carry the team, that's that's not on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can hold the win-loss or something. As long as it doesn't look like empty stats, but. I don't know. Harden kind of just does his thing, and it's not really empty ever. Yeah, I mean, the NBA is a star-driven league. We know that. Um, we know that he can kind of control where he ends up to a degree. But at the same time, I think if you're the Rockets, you you don't accept pennies. I mean, you if you're selling a superstar in a league where you have to have a superstar to win a championship, I mean, I'm... I'm holding out for a Paul George return, you know, yeah. uh, quality, um, quality young players and tons of draft picks, tons, um, to, you, to the point where, where those picks are going to have value after Harden is gone. If you were Houston and there's like a realistic partner, cause you can't say like Oklahoma city on this. Um, where would you look for, where would you look first as like the best fit for both Harden and for you, for the Rockets as a team? I, I have my answer. I'm curious. I think, I think the Nets are a fit. Um, if he does really want to go to Brooklyn and play with Kyrie and Durant, I think Brooklyn has some pieces that should interest the Rockets and Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. Um, you know, I, I think they have some, some pieces that, would be somewhat attractive to Houston. Um, otherwise, I don't know. What do you think? I got a hot one. It's uh, you're gonna laugh at me because of uh, Orlando. <laughs> it's Orlando. I could see that. I, I, I actually, I think it's such a good, it's such a good fit. You take on the dead money of Alpha Rukaminu. They have all their picks. Uh, they the only. Picks. They have two picks incoming, no outgoing. They have the 2026 second rounder from Milwaukee and a 2022 second rounder from Indiana. It's like, so they can give up anything. They could give up with the rest of their picks, and I, I wouldn't really be mad. The next three picks, you throw in Mo Bamba, really nice buy low. You get Aaron Gordon, who is a good player, and if you – I really don't see why Houston like, – I think he needs a change of scenery as much as I love him. Uh, I just – you could even maybe – I wouldn't do this as an Orlando fan. I'd be sad, but they're – it, it wouldn't really work. You could probably get Markel Fultz too. Um, that's a hell of a package. I, I think that's right up there with Brooklyn. Just it's not as sexy. You know what I mean? Like Karis Levert has is probably a bigger name than any of those guys. But at some point, the health has to be a legit concern. Like the the guy cannot stay healthy. 
So I, I think some of the other guys in that trade would honestly be better. Yeah, I, I could see that too. Um, homerism aside. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think there was like a quasi question too from, from Donnie Nelson burner account about it, like packaging Porzingis for Harden, but I, I don't know. Well, we did have one question that I really wanted to get to. Okay, go ahead. And this is from our guy, Frankie. So he said, if you put, He's gotten a few shout outs lately. Put, <laughs> if you could put Jared's brain on any of the big men's prospects, uh, bodies, who would it be and why? And for me, not even close. Evan Mobley would be number one. So that's <laughs> <laughs> he would be he would be right there with Cade Cunningham. Stop. So <laughs> thank you, Frankie, for the question. <laughs> put me put me in Luca Garza's body because You just want to be Luca Garza. Yes. You just want to be the best player in the country. Okay. I do. Understandable. I do. Understandable. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um, okay. So <laughs> Dr. Clam Medicine Mollusk asks, uh, which would you rather have in this draft? Number one or number three and number seven? I go number one. Yeah. Kate is that special. Like you, the numbers won't be good. I mean, I don't know if you saw, um, I think it was. They're still going to be good. They're just not going to be as good as they would be if he were at, if he had help. Right. And I mean, I don't know if you saw Jonathan Wasserman's tweet today. He put out a video where all the caption was, was don't even bother uh, this year wasting your time questioning Cade's assist numbers. He makes a beautiful pass out of like a double or triple team and, uh, and the guy airballs it. I mean, like you can't make it up. He baits everybody. He had four people. Like, I'm rewatching it. Four people on him in some degree, him or the people near him. Like, he drew four men, only one guy on the other side of the court where this guy was, airball. Like, it's, it's, you can't judge him for that. Yeah. And, and again, we just talked about the NBA being a superstar driven league. He's probably the best prospect to come out since, you know, Luca and DeAndre Ayton. So, I mean, yeah, would it be really nice to be able to walk out of the draft with, say, I don't know. Jalen Suggs. Yeah. Yeah, Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs and Keon Johnson um, or Scotty Barnes or whatever. Sure, like that would be really nice, but give me me the star. Give me Cade. it's kind of like in it, and by no compare, no means is this like a direct comparison. But like in two thousand three, you know, would you rather have D Wade and Chris Bosh or have one LeBron? And I think the end, and again, not a comparison, but I think to me, I mean, we saw all three of those guys obviously, and two of them did play together. But I mean, I would take I would take the one LeBron. I mean, we saw how he carried the Cavs in 07. Like, I mean, none of the other guys really could have done something like that. There, there's something to be said over quality over quantity, you know. For sure. Um. Our buddy Logan, who we definitely need to get on the podcast soon, he asks, um, and you too, you too, Edmund, uh, Edmund the Slayer. But uh, Logan, how many um, of OKC's picks would you trade for Cade? And then he follows up, would you trade Porzingis for anyone in the 2021 class? I mean, I would trade him for Cade. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, I might even trade get... him for Evan Mobley, just with the uncertainty around Porzingis' health. But... 
I like the be- the better question to me was how many of OKC's picks would you trade for Cade? A lot of them. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, whatever they ask. <laughs> like, I obviously you don't want to give up literally everything, but if it's like they get the second pick uh, in the draft by some whatever I, I don't even know what you would call that the opposite of a miracle. Um, whatever the asking price is, you pay it. Like, if I if I'm the first pick. As much as I do want Cade Cunningham, and you're not Oklahoma City, um, get all the assets. I, I honestly would say that would be the only t- the only trade I would do out of number one is to get all of Oklahoma City's assets because that alone, especially like say, like who knows how good the Spurs will be? They may get super unlucky in the regular season and be super lucky in the lottery, and they could get Cade Cunningham if they could get all of Oklahoma City's picks. That's dangerous. I, I feel like they'd be really good for it, kind of thing. I mean, they probably should take Cade, but now that I say that. Like them, but I, I just I don't know if you can get all of Oklahoma City's picks. Those are so valuable for any big trade. You can make you can get anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Speaking of a uh, Donnie Nelson burner account, he asked, "Can I be on the pod if Bull Bull wins MVP?" Um, yes, you can. You could be a co-host. Hey, just no, uh, no James Harden for Porzingis questions. Yes. Um, let's see. Oh, last second question just came in from Big Match. Uh, what draft year in the past will you compare this 2021 draft? That's tough. Probably 2018, right? Like, yeah, 2018 I, makes some sense because you have the – you, you know, kind of the known superstar at the top with, you know, you had Luca who, if Luca had played for Oklahoma State, he would have been the number one pick too. Um, and then I think you have a number of really solid options. You know, you had um, Ayton and and Fox, right? And Bagley. Or was Fox here before? He was here before. Um, oh gosh, I'm blank. Trey, obviously Trey. Um, I mean, even down the lottery, I mean, you had SGA at like yeah, over 13. Um, it, it, just, it was stacked, like all through the first round and early second too, which is very similar. Yeah, I think the cliche one is 03 because you had LeBron and, and then you had all the really good players after him, but it's it's not that good. It's a, hy- it's a hybrid for me of uh, 2018 and 2015. Like if you put all of their best – together um that's kind of what you get but yeah like somewhere in the middle of those two okay okay so i think that wraps our mailbag like i said if you had a question that got lost in the shuffle of of some craziness i apologize um but man i'm, I'm excited for some of these games this week should be fun um man what else anything yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think international is heating up too. There's some guys I still need to catch up on because um, the international class is actually pretty good this year too, especially like second round. This is like with the Mavs having a second round pick and as cliche as it is in like the stereotype of getting a European guy, pretty possible. Although I still I still stand Luca Garza. I really want him as a Mav. Hey, with your brain apparently. Two, two Lucas, man. Two Lucas. Yeah, you could have – you could have uh, – Trade for uh, what's his name, Luca Samanchich, Shaman, however you say it, in uh, San Antonio. I mean, Texas is the Luca State 
if that happens. <laughs> it should. Well, I mean, it would already be the Lucas State. True. Uh, but anyway. Depending on what country you're from. True. Anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening. If uh, you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave a nice review. Rate it five stars. Do your thing. Tell your friends. Uh, tell your families. Uh, we're we're happy to to grow our audience, and um, I think that's about it. So we'll talk to you guys next time.